Hi, and welcome to Shadow Talk's weekly intelligence summary track, where our team of analysts dive into the top threat intelligence stories each week. To read their full findings and analysis, make sure to visit resources.digitalshadows.com. Now here's your host, Harrison Van Riper. Hello, listeners. Shadow Talk is back again, episode seven. I'm HVR, pseudo HVR on Twitter. Yes, that's a new Twitter handle. And yes, it's cool. Don't laugh at me, Alex. I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) With me this week is Alex G, partner in crime. What's up? Good to be back again. I like your new Twitter handle. Thank you. It's an improvement over the last one. Yeah, it was just just kind of boring. The H H Van Riper, yeah. How'd you come up with it? I uh, just thought of it. It's kind of it's like pseudo code, like that's mm. kind of based on that. So that was cool. Um, across the pond in London, we have Phil Doherty. How's it going? Pretty good. Now, Phil, last week we had Jamie Collier, or as we now lovingly refer to him as JC Cool. <laughs> um, and now I will only refer to you as Philly D because that is you know I've I've called you that for a long time now, so I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's all good. One plug for me this week at the top of this week's episode, uh, the Photon Research Team just launched a new research paper called A Tale of Epic Extortions, uh, in which we go over various extortion tactics used by malicious threat actors. Uh, It's a really great uh, read, and it's the first big piece that I've been a part of since joining the team. We'll link to it in the show notes, or you can find it by going to resources.digitalshadows.com. Um, also, you can listen to the other podcast that we posted uh, with myself, Raphael, and Dr. Richard Gold, where we go over the main points of the paper, and that should be on the same uh, feed as this one. Um, all right, so just jumping right in, Philly D, you are the Insum analyst this week. Uh, we've got a pretty interesting piece here on a newly discovered malware combined with some new delivery techniques. Yep, yeah, it's a pretty technical one this week, so I'll do my best to try and explain it. So... A report came out where cybersecurity researchers, they identified a new social engineering technique. Uh, it allows malware downloads without the need for traditional human interaction. So they found that Microsoft Explorer and Outlook preview pane was being used alongside a sort of handy micro, a macro obfuscation technique. This was to trigger uh, a malware download automatically. So typically, when attachments and documents are viewed in this preview pane, that action would trigger any embedded malicious macro to fire up. Um, so uh, Microsoft have sought to prevent this previously uh, by preventing all macros in, in that pane. So we've seen reports on the malicious use of this as early as 2015. So they've done a pretty good job up until now. So this technique didn't directly embed the macro in the Word document itself that was attached to the email. It uses a, a feature of rich text file formatting. So that allows Office workbooks, uh, in this case it was an Excel workbook, to be embedded in the footer of the document. And those Excel workbooks are the ones that held the macro directly. So it's sort of like a third-party obfuscation technique. So the feature is something called an object update. When an attachment was previewed, this command triggered Excel to open, but not in the same state as, as you'd expect. So if Excel opens, they would, it would open in a parent class. So with that command, it opens in something called a child instance or a child class. Um, and that's like a mirrored version of Excel. So it doesn't have the same security par- parameters as the parent. And so any macro prevention issued by Microsoft, that becomes redundant straight away. So the attackers could then utilize PowerShell to establish a direct communication with the device without the user manually accessing the document or clicking any links. So it was a pretty pretty nifty way of doing it. Wow. So, so in social engineering phishing campaigns that use malicious attachments like these, uh, we're typically seeing a malicious document attached to the email that's then opened by the user. And then some sort of exploitation occurs, whether that's embedded macros or something else, kind of, you know, what you've explained yeah. there. 
Um, do you think abusing the preview panel, which I'm going to be honest, I've typically thought that that's pretty relatively uh, safe when it comes to malicious emails. Um, do you think that this kind of method could be more effective? Yeah, I do. So the preview pane has been used previously. Uh, it's quite a rare technique, though, um, like social engineering, like phishing and spear phishing. It's all about getting that human interaction, that, that human point as the, or the weakest point of security. So the way that they've managed to, to use like a third party embedding um, to completely automate it, I think that's an interesting development. Cool. And then can we expect, you think, more attacks in the future? I mean, I know, so you say that we've seen this before, right? Um, and now it's kind of come back again. Do you think this could catch on? I think if a capable threat actor was to get attention from it, then yeah, I do. Um, I think we would also expect to see the likes of Microsoft attempt to mitigate this themselves. So once this report gets a bit of attention and public attention, I can, I, I'd predict that they would probably try and prevent macros from being accessed in that third party. So any capable threat actor might try to use a different delivery uh, method or, or test different ways to, to embed macros or even not use macros themselves and try and develop a new, uh, new delivery technique altogether. Right. Cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, that was a super interesting one, I think. It was a little bit different than typically what we see from, you know, typical um, malware delivery through email. I think it draws back to uh, an insum that we published a few weeks ago uh, in January. I think, Alex, you did that one as well and was talking about the developments of social engineering and moving away from just solely trying to update these tools and the capabilities of these tools and move to what is up until now quite a, a successful way of of infecting a system and getting that initial access and whether that becomes a prevalent thing um i'm not 100 sure but i could i could see it drawing some some serious attention instead of techniques becoming more technically sophisticated what these threat actors are trying to do or to play on these um and have the inherent trust that people place on these kinds of systems. So in this case, the Outlook preview pane, which a lot of people I imagine would look at as a safe way to preview these documents, but in actuality, you have threat actors looking to exploit that. Yeah, exactly. And I think also with, with Outlook as well, because it's such a vastly used um, email application, we could probably expect to see some attacks like this infecting mobile devices and, and threat actors hopping on who, who try to directly compromise Android devices. Do we know if this was only affecting the Outlook application or also Outlook on the web browser? So I think in this instance or the sample that the security researchers identified, I think it was the Explorer and Outlook on online. Uh, so the, the, the digital version rather than the application. But I would say that the application itself is probably going to get some interest as well. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, yeah, definitely be a little more careful uh, previewing your attachments from now on because I definitely wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so remember, listeners, download the full insum at resources.digitalshadows.com and you can see the really cool graph that, that Phil made that we were commenting on earlier <laughs> that I actually like a lot. <laughs> All right. So, so moving on to some of the other highlights this week. Alex, uh, threat actor Gnostic Players was seen selling some pretty large data sets on the dream market, and that sparked up a lot of interest. Yeah, so we saw some activity from Gnostic Players on dream market, which is a dark web marketplace. 
so as Harrison said, 841 million breached records uh, offered for sale, which is a fairly substantial amount. Uh, it's not the biggest that we've seen, but it's still more than your average data dump. Um, so, so what was interesting about this one is that the threat actor claimed that they had breached the data themselves, and it wasn't just a compilation of other previously uh, breached data, but but researchers did identify that a couple data sets from this big dump were from previous breaches, such as the MyHeritage breach. So that's um, it's it, it, it's a little bit up yeah. in the air. Yeah, I think a couple of the breaches were also not announced yet from yeah. from those uh, from the affected uh, websites, um, which is kind of where this story took off. I think because mm-hmm. they were like new breaches that were a part of this huge compilation, and yeah. then. Um, but then also the other fact that Gnostic players had just kind of come out of the blue, yeah. right? This wasn't a well-known threat actor. It just kind of popped up and had this huge data set. So people were like, is this legitimate? Is it not? And yeah. then the um, and then when you add in the fact that they had these other data sets that hadn't been reported as compromised previously that were then subsequently confirmed by the companies, or at least some of them, um, as being compromised back in, you know, whenever... Um, yeah, it kind of sparked some interest yeah. this week. I mean, they just popped up on Dream Market, I think, on the 6th of February. And since then, they've been fairly active. So that's always interesting when things like that happen. Yeah. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. Um, moving on to the next one, Philly D, one of my new favorite APT group names based on the Google image results alone, uh, Blind Eagle has been targeting Columbia. Absolutely unreal name. And that, that might be one of my favorite ones. <laughs> so yeah, this group... A more boring name, APTC thirty six. Um, they were they were sought to steal intellectual property and like other available information via spoof legitimate Colombian institutions. So they use Spanish language spear phishing emails um, to subsequently download or drop the imminent monitor remote access trojan. So the attribution of this group isn't known as of yet, but they're likely South American, uh, mostly due to the level of the language used. Uh, localization of the language as well. One of the interesting things about this is we don't really see many APT groups or public reporting of of such activity in South America. We see a few things targeting South America, but that sort of intercontinental activity isn't isn't widely reported on. And also with the heavy investment in the in the area, uh, any sort of sensitive information held by this by these uh, organizations. So including the government and the financial petroleum, oil and gas, all of those, they're going to be pretty valuable to to global governments as well as intercontinental ones. Definitely, yeah. Is there any sense that an actual eagle is involved in this threat group? Because I really hope that there is. I hope so. And I hope they've got an eye patch as well. <laughs> that's, like, that's the best one that I've seen so far in terms of the images. Yeah, I know, right? So good. <laughs> all right, so all right, cool stuff there, uh, Alex. Finally, back over to you. Game Crab is back in the news, snapping its claws and being delivered through a new vulnerability. So yes, yet again, we have some Game Crab activity. Uh, so we recently saw um, some exploitation surrounding a Valentine's Day themed phishing campaign that was delivering Game Crab, and in this instance uh, that we recently observed. The ransomware was instead being delivered by exploiting a vulnerability in Kaseya VSA, which is a, a remote monitoring and endpoint management solution software. Um, so the, the SQL injection flaw, it basically let the attackers create admin level accounts and bypass authentication on the main application. So giving them elevated user privileges, they had more control on how to deploy that ransomware. I guess Gangcrab is still 
kicking around, refuses to go away and leave us alone. Yeah, they keep snapping at people. Yeah. Snip, snip. All right, cool. So we tried it last week, and I liked it. So let's do it again this week. Each of you give me one piece of forward-looking updates. Either of you give me one piece of forward-looking updates. (laughs) So there was some military confrontation between Pakistani forces and uh, Indian forces in Kashmir. Um, There was a warning basically saying that uh, some retaliation could occur if Indian forces acted against Pakistan. So as a result of this, we could possibly see some um, regional or global espionage activity, especially in this kind of volatile region. Um, And these uncertainties could also induce hacktivist activity, which we've seen following some controversial events in the past. Um, Generally, denial of service, defacement attempts, um, and they can be motivated by perceptions of civil mistreatment and human rights infractions. So the Nigerian Independent National Electoral Committee they called a last-minute postponement to their general election, so the presidential elections. And that was scheduled, and I think votes occurred on the 17th of February this year. So they said that this was going to be halted for a week due to transportation issues with the, with the ballots or the, or the votes or the boxes. So ambiguous issues like this, we can, we can almost predict that some states, especially states that have heavy investment in these regions, are going to take some interest in this to see if there's any foul play Particularly as well, the government themselves, they'll try and see if there's any foul play. And this is probably going to induce some sort of domestic or foreign cyber surveillance effort. All right. Those are good. I like those. Um, All right. Well, then that's going to do it for us this week in terms of the Intisum update. Every week we have a question. Alex, I don't know if you picked up my paper or not. I think you did because that's what you do. (laughs) But Phil doesn't know what it is yet. So we have JC Cool. For a nickname, we have Philly D for a nickname. What is Alex Giraku's nickname? Great question. I know. Great question. What have what's your previous nicknames been? Ali G. Ooh, G Man. Ones that we can say on eh, that's lame. Yeah, yeah, the ones that we can say publicly. <laughs> Ali G is good. I like that one. Ali G is good. I like Ali G. Yeah. Do we want to associate ourselves with with the Ali G character? No. Phil, can you talk like him? <laughs> no, <Ali> don't. <laughs> I definitely don't think anyone wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ali G. Then we'll stick with that. Yeah. That's pretty good. So, yeah. so forever on the podcast, you will now be Ali G. Sure. Nice. <laughs> I like that. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Ali G. Thank you, Philly D. Thank you. Um, talk to y'all next week